0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, January 30th, 2022, we conclude our series titled, Hope for the Family. Today's sermon, Milestones in Life, will be taught to us by Pastor Ed Lutz out of Psalm 145, verses four through five. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. We plan for the unplanned. Maybe you're thinking, how do you plan for the unplanned? That doesn't make any sense. How many of you remember doing fire drills in school? Isn't that a plan for the unplanned? Or this might reveal your age. Um, How many of you remember doing atomic bomb drills in school? Because that's going to work, right? A-bomb, get under your cardboard desk. You have a plan for the unplanned. We will face moments, unexpected moments, every single day. They're gifts from God for us to utilize them, maximize them for the purpose of discipleship to help the people all around us love and follow Jesus with everything they have, with everything they are. Would we not miss them? Would we have the eyes of Christ? Would we see the moments? Would we look to Jesus? Would we help people know who God is, what God says, what it means to follow him, and may we model walking with Jesus first, amen?
1: The Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so there's the idea that it's important that we live out and love Jesus Christ to the younger generation. And we know that this book, the Bible, is, gives us the model for what the family should look like. And so that was week one. And then the next two weeks, we talked about time. The first week uh, of that series, of that we we talked about the importance of carving out intentional time, putting it on your calendar when you're going to teach your children the things of God. Plan on it. Work your schedule around those significant moments. And then last week, like uh, Pastor Thomas just said, you know, sometimes life just happens and things get thrown at you. And how are we going to use those unplanned moments to point our kids towards? Uh, faith in Christ. And so that's where we are. And today we are talking about milestones. It's a wrap up of the series. And so I'd love to ask God's blessing as we start. So pray with me if you would. Father, we know in Psalm 25, you tell us that you are good and upright. We believe that and that you instruct sinners in the way. We admit we come to you this morning, sinful people in need of instruction. And then you also say that you lead the humble and what is right, and teach the humble his way. As we look at your word, will you keep us humble, help us to see what it is that you would desire of us, and that you would get all the glory. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, when you think about milestone, what comes to your mind? I don't know if you've ever thought about the history of that word. When we say milestone, we might be thinking about those little green markers along the side of the road that show you which mile you're at. But do you know where the, the history comes? Of the word milestone comes from? Dates all the way back to the Romans. See, the Romans would erect these con these pillars of stone, concrete-like markers along the side of the road made out of granite or marble. And what they would do is they would they would measure distances as you were traveling. So there's an example of what we mean by a literal, it's a milestone. So what have we done? We've we've taken that and and kind of made it a metaphor. If I were to ask you, where in your life have been those heavy, significant, marker-type moments that you could point to and say, yeah, that's an event by which I measure the rest of my life. Could you point to a few of those? Do you have some milestones in your lives? Let me introduce just a, a couple to you here in just a moment, but here's your main idea. This is what I'd love for each of us to walk out of here with. And it really is a decision, it's, it's a choice. What I would love for us, and here's the point, that we would determine, make up our mind, choose, determine to commemorate and celebrate the character of God in those most significant moments in life. From this moment forward, on the moment I get in the car and get home, I'm gonna start to look for what it is that God is doing. I'm gonna determine, make a choice to celebrate the character of God and all that he allows to happen in my life? That's a big ask, isn't it? <laughs> you say, well, Ed, you don't know what I'm going through right now. Well, we're gonna talk about that. Well, what do we mean by milestones? Let me just give you um, two types. First point on your outline, I think we have natural milestones and spiritual milestones. A natural milestone would be just those things that occur over the natural rhythms of life, usually the coming of age, maybe a significant birthday or a promotion. We'll get to those in a minute. They just happen as we live life. And then spiritually, for believers, what are those things, those milestones, those spiritual milestones where God stretched us, he grew us, started to transform our character to align it more to the person of Jesus Christ. That's what we mean by spiritual milestones. So let's look at a couple. So I have a list here on the screen. Again, these are, this is not a complete list. For example, the, a natural milestone. These are some that we would celebrate in our lives. The birth of a child or a grandchild. A key birthday. What happens at 16? Driver's license. Milestone marker in the life of all of us, right? 18, 21, I put them both up there because I still don't know which one means you're an adult. Seems like like we go back and forth between those two. Some people may wonder, 25, 26, why is that a milestone birthday? How many of you have a student driver in your house? What happens at 25? Rates go down, auto insurance rates drop. And at 26, no more on our medical insurance. Praise the Lord. Oh, man, more money in your pocket, All right? Milestone moment, at least in our house. I don't know about yours. The day you graduated, the day you got engaged, how about a spiritual one that we would celebrate? When you came to faith in Christ, or you, you had been wandering away from the Lord and you came back and you rededicated your life, the day you got baptized would be a spiritual milestone. What are those milestones that might be a little more contemplative where we reflect? Maybe not so much celebratory, unexpected medical diagnosis in your home with one of your kids. Forever changes the uh, trajectory of your life. Like, man, we did not see this coming. And from this moment on, with this diagnosis, this is not how I thought it would be, but boy, are we going in a different route. Lord, why did you bring this event into our family? Unexpected, reflective, death of a child, death of a parent, maybe you've gone through a divorce. Some of us in our church have had an opportunity to go to a third world country. You know, up until that moment, you've only seen documentaries on TV or in magazines, but now you're on the ground, you're, you're walking around. It looks like, you know, you're in one of those documentaries and, you're, and you start to do what? You start to re, uh, reevaluate, reprioritize. You start to question the things that you have. It's like, boy, I don't know if I've put the right value on what it is that I should Those are all milestone moments that grow you, they stretch you, they challenge you. But yet I believe God is using. Make sense? Well, significance. Let's move to that second point. And we're gonna spend a a few moments on this here. Why are they significant? Why is it such a big deal? Well, let me tell you, first of all, I think that God uses these to show us that he is in control. He is orchestrating the events of our lives. There's nothing that happens in our lives that God doesn't allow to happen, that he hasn't planned to happen. You may not understand it. Some of the things in our life God reveals to us, why they happen, other things they don't have a reason for happening. We're wondering, Lord, what is going on? You might be lying in your bed at night just wrestling and asking these really raw type questions. But let me tell you, God is working not only in the good times in your life, but he's also working in those difficult moments. Let me show you what I mean. have some verses up here on the screen for us. James chapter one says that every good and perfect gift is where? From above, coming down for our gracious Heavenly Father. See, there's nothing that we have that would be good if it didn't first pass from the hand of God. Matter of fact, Psalm 16 says that, I have no good apart from you. Think about the significance of that verse. Anything that I have that is remotely good is only from God. And I wouldn't know goodness apart from God. And it's easy to look at those times of blessing and and recognize that, right? But what do you do in the moments that are difficult? And you think, Lord, This is a tough one for me. If you go back to James chapter one, we have a verse that talks about those difficult moments. The writer says this, counter it all joy, there's the setup. Be joyful. Count it a blessing, count it joyful, my brothers, when you meet various trials of every kind and you're thinking, Eddie, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, various kinds seems to cover the whole gamut. What's going on in those times? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And steadfastness will have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. You see, God is working in your life. He's stretching our character. He's growing us. He's wanting to turn us or change us into his son, Jesus Christ, that we would learn to love him and want to be like him. And God is using these events, difficult as they may be, to transform us. Don't miss that. Now, admittedly, the last couple years have been pretty tough. And we're gonna talk about the milestones in our lives that we celebrate and we rejoice in, but permit me just a few minutes to speak to those of us who maybe are in the midst of a battle. Feel like your life is a train wreck, so to speak. All you know is you're in this dark tunnel and you don't know what's coming on the other side. There's a a former pastor, had a son commit suicide. And this is what he said. Says, I used to think that life was hills and valleys and you go through dark times and then you go to the mountaintop, and it's back and forth, back and forth, up, down, up, down. But I don't believe that anymore. Rather than life being hills and valleys, I believe it's kind of like two rails on a railroad track. You see that word picture? And at all times, you have something good and something bad in your life. No matter how good things are in your life, there's always something bad that needs to be worked on. And no matter how bad things are in your life, at the very same time, there's always something that you can give God thanks for. See, where we tend to have our lives derail is we we live on one of those rails. We're on one extreme or the other. We're either so out of touch with reality that we deny that there are problems or we're so focusing on the negative things in our life we fail to to see the good that God is doing. Well, if you were to picture in your mind a, a railroad track and these two tracks running parallel all the way down the distance, what is it that keeps those tracks straight? Know what it is? There's a crossbeam. there's a, a railroad tie, giant massive piece of wood. And how are those rails anchored? You have these giant spikes that are driven through the ties into the wood. See a little bit of a word picture there? When we think about our lives and, we, and we're trying to keep our lives centered, We need to make sure that our life is anchored in Jesus Christ, just like Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross where he had spikes driven through his hand to give us that life. When we start to feel our life is a little bit out of control, we gotta remember that we can anchor our life in the person of Jesus Christ. Pastor Jeff, when he counsels people, recommends a book, it's called The Gospel-Centered Life, and that's it, that's it. Understanding and here's the significance, and it's in your outline. God is at work. We don't want to miss it. Don't miss it. God is at work, and keep your life anchored in Jesus Christ. Keep him the, the focus of your attention. 2009, January 14th, 2009. This is a, a milestone in the Lutz family. We had a medical emergency January 14th, so every calendar year when January 4th rolls around, my wife and I pause and we reflect. Really difficult time, just celebrated just a few weeks ago, and I asked my wife, I said, Susie, how'd you get through that time, what is it that, <laughs> that helped you not to lose it, and she told me she had read Psalm 30 and I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles there or pull it up on your phone. Psalm 30, it's in the middle of your Bible. You understand by the way that there are believers all around the world, not everyone has a Bible. Praise the Lord and we are just so grateful for the privilege it is to have his word that we can open it and read it and and that's what we want to do here. Psalm 30. See, just when we thought we were on, literally, we were staring death in the face, my wife turned to this chapter in the Bible, and look what it says in verse two. Oh, Lord, I cried to you for help, and you have helped me. Oh, Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. Just when I was at the point of death, you brought me up. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. You ever feel there, that way like your life's in the pitch? You can't get up? There's no way to pull yourself out? Well, good. Because what we see here is we can. It's the Lord who lifts us up. Verse 11. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. See, we don't have to have this dreary countenance anymore. Verse 12 says you have clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. If there's anything good in my life that people are able to see, it's because of you. Oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. See, it's a life that's firmly planted in the gospel that has as its sole affection Jesus Christ. That's the life that's gonna get you through. God is at work, don't miss it. You may not understand it, but know that he's good. Do you believe that? Yeah, I do too. Well, let's go to the third point. You're thinking, okay, this is a great intro. Is this even biblical? Are milestones even in the Bible? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at some biblical milestones and then talk about what we have done as a church just to celebrate God's work and the life of our church, and then I want to give us some practical examples as moms and dads. First of all, is it a biblical concept? Why don't you turn to the book of Joshua? We're going to go to Joshua chapter three. Joshua is the fifth book in the Old Testament. Very, very familiar passage to a lot of us here, but I think we're going to be able to notice a few things that maybe we tend to overlook when we read through it quickly. So Joshua chapter three. What's going on in Joshua chapter three? Well, at this point, Moses has died. He was 120 years old, pretty good life. He has died. The mantle of leadership has been passed from Moses to Joshua. You can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 31 where that takes place. And so now Joshua is the leader of the people the nation of Israel, probably over a million, maybe two million people at this time. He's the, the guy in charge, and they're on the brink of the Promised Land. And they, in order to get to the Promised Land, they have to cross over the Jordan River, and it's flooded at this time. The, it's the spring rains, the winter rains, the snow is melted off of the mountains, river is overflowing, and we see, in order to get to the Promised Land, they've gotta cross this river. And we are in verse seven of chapter three. So the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, here it is. Command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. So they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord they get to the water's edge, they step in the, the river, and they stop. Now, jump down to verse uh, 12. Verse, and when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark, of the Lord the lord of all the earth shall what rest in the waters of the jordan and the waters of the jordan will be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap so the lord predicts what's going to happen similar to the crossing of the red sea with moses and i think by the way this miracle is on par with that they've they all author here even at the end of this chapter 4 it's going to make the comparison we so often think that this is a lesser miracle. This is a significant miracle in the life of the nation of Israel. So here it comes. We're gonna start in verse 14. But before we do, I need to set this up. I gotta got warn you, I was an English teacher before I came into full-time ministry, so allow me some fun. I'm gonna teach you a little bit of grammar today. Can we do that? Or did I just lose you? <laughs> What we're gonna see here in these next few verses is a series of subordinate or dependent clauses. Okay, here we go, I'm gone. Now, what's a subordinate clause? What's a dependent clause? You're gonna see some some clauses that, for their full meaning to make sense, something else has to come. So they're dependent, the meaning of these clauses is dependent upon what's coming. So think of them as like they're clinging on to this sentence. And when we read the entire sentence, you're going to say, oh man, now I get it. Have you ever been to a, a, a theater production or maybe something at one of your kids or grandkids' school? Performance, it's going to have a stage and there's a curtain. So what usually happens? How do you know when the show's getting ready to start? What, what do you see? Lights flicker. Time to take your seat. So you take your seat. Then the orchestra starts warming up and they're tuning their instruments. Oh, it's getting close then as soon as the music stops, what happens? Lights go down, oh, we're right on the edge. And then the curtain opens, music, lights, showtime. That's how this text reads, so let's look at it. Verse 14, so, flickering the lights, when the people set out from the tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, Orchestra's warming up, here it goes. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, music stops, lights go down, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were, were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all of its banks throughout the time of the harvest. Curtain opens, lights go on, music starts. Here's the miracle. The waters coming down from above stood, and they rose up in a heap. Far away at Adam, that's 15, 20 miles upstream here. The city that is beside Zarethan and those flowing down, the water that was coming down toward the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off. Wow! (laughs) That's how this passage is written. That's how it's composed. A series of suspenseful lead-ins, curtain opens, water piles in a heap. You see that? What happens next? And the people passed over the opposite, uh, over opposite Jericho. Now, the, peop- uh, the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on what? Dry ground. That's the second miracle in this passage. So, this, this river has been flowing, it's at flood stage. You would think when you get to the river bottom, you're just going to sink in, in feet of mud. There's no mud. No one is sinking. The ground is completely dry. And in case you miss the significance, right? God is at work. What do we say? Don't miss it. The author makes sure that you didn't miss it because it's repeated again. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. That's the miracle. That's the work of God in the life of this nation. Chapter four, verse one, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take the 12 men from the people, from each tribe, a man, and command them saying, take the 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the uh, the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you will lodge tonight. Gather these stones, pick them up, take them to camp. Verse eight, And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Where is that? Go to the end of the chapter, verse 19. So the people came out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they camped at Gilgal, on the east border of Jericho. On Thursday, by the way, I said Mexico. (laughs) I guess that's a common mistake when you live in Arizona. This is not Mexico, they're in Jericho, just east of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Now a lot of people believe that they probably arranged these stones in a circle. Gilgal means wheel or circle. If you were to go online, you can find all types of ancient Gilgals or or circle-type encampments that are made out of stone. Verse 21, and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask your fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, oh, let us tell you what we did. We are so cool. No, right? The accomplishment is not on the part of the people. It's on what God did. Look what he says. He says, Tell them Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over and as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. You see, this is a marker of what God did. Don't miss it. When you look at these milestones, Look at the character of God. Don't miss what he's doing in your life. A lot of times we see the big things, but boy, there are some small things as well. God is at work. Don't miss it. Are there other examples of milestones in scripture? I believe so. We have a list up here, just some from the Old Testament. When you think of the Passover, an annual celebration of God's deliverance out of the nation of Egypt for the Jews. The jar of manna is a reminder of visible... Reminder of God's provision through the desert wanderings. There are multiple feasts and holy days in the scripture that the nation of Israel was to commemorate and participate in every year so they would not forget who God is. How about the New Testament? Did you know in Acts chapter 11 is the first time the followers of Jesus are called Christians? Is that a milestone? What are we called today 2,000 years later? Christians. Big deal. It's stuck. We remember the cross every year when we celebrate and give thanks to God for sending his son when we celebrate and remember Good Friday. Certainly our Easter service every spring remembers the empty tomb. Baptism is one of those milestones in our lives. Did you know as a church, if you were to wander the campus, the people who are in Discover Highlands right now, where they're they're getting a tour of the campus, they're gonna get the same thing that you're getting this morning. Did you know that the baptistry, for example, right out front, there are stones in the bottom that when we first moved to this property 22 years ago, there were 300 of us, we went out into the desert, we each got a rock, and we put it in a wheelbarrow, and we prayed over those, and we put those stones in the bottom of the baptistry. Sound familiar? A little bit like Joshua. Did you know that God gave us this property? It was free, 22 acres. We celebrated the goodness of God by making a milestone, literally made of stone. How about, what's another one? The fountain over here. We have a fountain, now it's behind a fence. But on the bottom of that fountain, for our 20th anniversary, we retiled that fountain. So we have new tiles down there, but did you know on the bottom of those tiles is the name of somebody that we're praying for, either a family member or a friend that they would come to know, Jesus Christ? See, I look at that fountain and I remember our 20th anniversary and and the goodness and the grace of God and yet I'm reminded that God is still at work. I'm still praying that God would work in the hearts of some of my friends and family members. Every time I see that fountain, I'm reminded to pray and ask God to keep doing amazing work in the lives of those I care about so much. of you come down this north sidewalk by the office and you see this stone cage. What in the world is that? You got a big metal rusted cage of rocks. Well, that's commemorating the year we paid off our mortgage. So we're debt-free as a church. And there they are, <laughs> more rocks. Man, you guys love rocks, right? Well, they're milestones. And did you also know that on the bottom of every one of those rocks, again, is the name of someone we're praying for to come to know, Jesus Christ. Not only is that a reminder of what God did, but God is still at work. And we're, we're praying and looking forward to the day that I can celebrate a dear friend of mine that I'm praying for, that he would come to know Jesus as his savior. See, I believe God is still at work. So those are some church-wide examples. Now Thomas, in this this message series, asked if I would be willing to share some of the things that Susie and I have done in our family. Um, Again, this is not meant to say we got it all together. If you were to ask our kids, they'll say, man, my parents don't have it all (laughs) together at all. But we did a few things, I hope, right that they appreciate. How did we celebrate as a family? What are some of those milestones? Well, I can tell you, as a family, we personally dedicated each of our kids in front of the church family. We took a stand as a family that said, we're going to raise our kids to know the Lord. and pray that they come to faith in him. And we had the support of our church. I remember the first time my son, as a a young believer, took communion. We were meeting in the school at the time. And what? And Jonathan and I were sitting in that back row and the elements are coming by and I'm explaining to him the significance of communion and what the bread means and what the, what the cup means, the grape juice. And as we got those, we prayed over each of those. And I was able to one-on-one in the quietness of that moment to teach him. And did you know not too long ago, I was able to sit and watch my son do the same with his son, my grandson. Milestone moment. I was able to baptize my middle son, special time. What are some things we did as they got older? Well, if you like me and you remember if you had the privilege of sending your kids off to college, we all cry like a baby. But what I did is I wrote each of them in a letter and I stuck it in their suitcase so when they started to unpack and set things up in the dorm, they would find that note from dad. And what it was is, is just an expression of my love for them and how proud I was. But yet it also was a an exhortation that they would find a church that they would start to make the faith that we had passed on, that they would own that for themselves and start to make decisions that would honor Christ and see the goodness in their lives that he had done. Don't forget the Lord. When our kids moved into their house, each of my, my children have bought a house. We we gather as a family in their living room and we go arm in arm and we huddle up. And I pray a prayer a blessing over that home that God would use their home for ministry. And we kind of anoint that house for the Lord and give everything that will take place in that home to Him to use. Milestone moment, I think. When my daughter turned 21, we did a womanhood ceremony, and my wife gathered all the godly women had poured into Larissa's life and they, went, they all got dressed up, they went to a really nice restaurant and then after the meal, each of the women had prepared a, a, a little letter and they stood up and they read and they, they spoke truth into her life on what they had seen God do in her life and how they would pray that he would continue to work and grow her into a godly woman. I wasn't invited, women only, so I wrote, a, I wrote my daughter a book. It's called Letters for Larissa and I have... I have three sections. I have seven letters on, on faith, seven letters on love, seven letters on hope. And if you were to look through this book, I start off with pictures and a memory of my daughter. Remember when we did this. Remember the good times. Don't forget what we did, but more importantly, let's see how the God can, can use that moment to shape you and grow you into a godly woman. Hopefully that's a milestone and she has it and, and she'll keep it forever to remember not me so much, but the goodness of God in her life. Well, how should we respond? How should we respond? Let's bring the worship team back up as we close. I think you could do two things. First, look back. Look back and reflect. Go home today Find a, a quiet moment, get a piece of paper, get a pen, and start listing what are those natural milestones that have happened in your life? What are some of those spiritual milestones where God worked and stretched you and grew you? And you may think, you know what? At the time, I didn't see it, but now I do. God has brought me through the other side. And spend some time praising the Lord, giving thanks to him in prayer. Look back and reflect. Remember, commemorate. Don't miss it. You know, I'm I'm convinced that our ability to do that reflects the condition of our hearts. Some of us may be at a point in our life, or again, you don't know what I'm going through. I'd like to get there, but I'm not. Ask God to soften your heart. Our ability or inability to see the character of God in life's significant moments, folks, I really believe that shows the condition of where our heart is at. Secondly, look forward. Write down, what are those events, those birthdays that are still yet to come? And Lord willing, if he gives you tomorrow, start to make a plan for how you can speak truth into the lives of those people who mean the most to you. Affirm them, love them. And most importantly, don't make it about them, but point them to Jesus Christ. Make it about the work that he's doing in their life. Will you do that this week? Well, we have the privilege of celebrating a milestone together as a church family. We're going to take communion. And if you need the elements, put your hand up. We have some section hosts who can come by and bring those to you. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus gathered with his disciples and he instituted this supper, this last supper, this communion celebration. And here we are 2,000 years later and we still do it. It really is a milestone in the life of the church. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, these are his words, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this, what? In remembrance, don't forget. Don't miss it. Let's take the bread. And in the same way, he also took the cup, and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Milestone moment for these men. And for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Until the Lord Jesus comes again, let's keep remembering the price that he paid. We are indeed grateful, Father, for the gift of your Son. That's the whole reason we're here this morning. We celebrate and are so grateful for the life that you've given us in Jesus Christ. As we consider the way we've lived and the events that you've allowed to happen in our lives, Father, we admit that there are times when we maybe let our minds wander. But Lord, we know that you're good. You know that you love us. We know that you are working in us to conform us to the image of your son. Keep us humble. Keep us teachable. And as we ponder those things yet to come, by your grace, Father, I just pray that we would make them count. That we would tell that next generation of all the great things that you not only have done, but can do. And that we would continue to exalt your name above all else. Praying pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're clapping for the Lord, right? He's for you. You believe that? Yeah, so do I. Well, you may be here this morning and you're thinking, man, I, I'm not there yet, Ed. I want to recognize the Lord's work in my life, but I'm having a tough time. I'd like to invite our prayer team down front at this time. If you need someone to pray for you or or spend some time just giving you a hug and just helping you get to the point where you have a, a heart that is tender and recognizes the goodness of God, we'd love to help you do that. Well, the Hope for the Family series is over, but it's just getting started, right, Mom and Dad? Ready to kick it in? Here we go excited to see what God's gonna do in the life of the church. You know, at the end of your bulletin outline on your app or on your notes here, I have Psalm 145, and these are the words of verses four and five. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall uh, tell of your mighty acts. Tell of the mighty acts of God. What's he doing in your life? Celebrate, tell someone. And then the next verse says, that we would talk about the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate, reflect, remember. Know what God is doing, remember his goodness, plan to tell somebody else this week. Will you do that as a church? God bless you, thanks for coming, see you next week.